Praise God. I'm glad you guys were able to tune in. If you like FCC, click like and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook. And I want to challenge you to uh, send this to somebody. Also, this is fertile ground here. Consider planting a seed. Visit us at uh, our Facebook page, FCC. God bless. I'm the Proverbs 29:18. Where there is no vision, people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Father God, we thank you for this word, and Lord, we pray that you prepare our minds and hearts to receive it. Lord, I pray that you speak in and through me, and not my own words, but yours, Father God. We ask all these things in your blessing, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And the saints of God said, amen. God bless you as you're seated. Praise God. Where there is no vision, the people will perish. The, the, the new life uh, translation, I like that, you know, I like that version too. I want to I read that. It says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Oh, I've been there. I've rejected divine guidance at a time or two. In that running wild, yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. Now that I've gone through it, I can see it. But when you're going through it, you, you think that people giving you divine guidance, that they're hating on you, that they're picking on you, that they're, that, that you're, that they're in your face and they're a little harsh and a little rude and why has he got to talk like that? Who does he think he is? I, whoa, whoa, back up, Jack. I'm just reading you scripture. I didn't write this book. Mm. I just kissed Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's my daddy, my Savior. Some of you are looking for breakthrough, looking for revelation and direction, right? Things are crazy in your house. You don't know how to handle it. You don't know what to do. It's all in here. See, we got to read it cover to cover, not just find something to prove a point that we're, to win an argument. It says in here, without a vision. And, and, and then you, we got to go, we break it down a little bit. Without the um, revelation, one uh, King James says, without revelation, without uh, divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. There, when you obey this word, because at the time of this writing, when they say the law, the law was the books, the prophets. It was the Bible of that time. When, so basically, rendering that out, it says, when you obey what this book says, there'll be joy in your life. But here's the, the, here's the thing that's true. If you've ever uh, had a season when you were in the world, when you're not obeying it, sin's only fun for a season, then the troubles come. Oh, man, that's no fun. That's frustrating. It's sometimes scary. Now what? Now what am I going to do? I messed up. Thank the Lord. He is gracious and merciful. He's an all-knowing, all-forgiving, all-loving Father. We do reap what we sow, but he's going to help you through that anyway. Amen? So here's the thing that a lot of 
church's question or God, or uh, excuse me, pastor's question, and God speaks to us in these questions. Why are we here, this church, today, in Mount Pleasant? Why are we here? What, are, what is our goal? What are we doing? What is our purpose? And I believe I have that answer. I've been praying about that for some time before I came and even now. And I believe that this church is a spiritual hospital to heal those who need a, a spiritual healing. And some experienced some of that this morning in the altars. And that's just the start. You don't go to a doctor one time if you've got a chronic issue. Sometimes you set up multiple appointments and checkups and, and evaluations, and he gives you prescriptions or therapy or whatever it is that he's expecting you, if you want to get healed and whole, that you will go home and do those exercises, those therapies, or take those medications, those antibiotics, so that in due time you will be whole and healed. This is no different spiritually speaking here but here's the challenge in the church sometimes we don't want the spiritual medicine that the preacher's given us to bring about our spiritual healing they just got weird quiet do you believe that the word of god can bring healing so this is that old saying you know where they say don't shoot the messenger Sometimes I feel like saying that, but, you know, I know it's cliche, sounds silly, kind of dumb. Oh, pastor, don't you? I get it. But here's the thing. Think about it. You got a spiritual condition. I'm giving you the word of God as a prescription to help you with that. Are you taking it twice a day? Calling the Lord in the morning? In your prayer time and in your devotion and your listening time? Or do you even have those times? I'm not hating on you. I'm not getting on you because there was a time in my life where I had to develop those spiritual disciplines as well. Because, you know, truthfully speaking, the Lord gave us everything we need to heal our bodies if we eat right, get the right uh, nutrients, and we keep moving we, we, as much as you can, right? Because what does the doctor say sometimes? Go to therapy. I don't want to go to therapy. That hurts. But it's through the hurt that you get your healing sometimes. Mm. So the Word of God says in Habakkuk 2.2, Write the vision. Make it plain that those who hear it can run with it. it write the vision. And I came, when I first started, I, I, I had it out there, and I want to revisit it. Now, here's the interesting thing. I'm a, um, a spoiler alert, if you will. I'm going to be bringing this before you time and time again. And about the time you get sick of me saying it is about the time you start to learn what it is, why we're here, what we're doing, and our purpose. So here is what I believe that the Lord has led. That we, the church, will accept, love, and forgive everyone who walks through our doors. That's a tough one. I'm going to break that down in just a little bit. We will accept, love, and forgive everyone who walks through these doors. And we will reach up. That means our praise and worship. We will reach in. That means our discipleship. And we will reach out. That's evangelism. So if you guys would just read it aloud with me. We will accept, love, and forgive everyone who walks through our doors. We will 
Reach up. Reach in. And reach out. In Jesus' name. Amen. So here we go. Accepting love. Woo, I'm going to get there. I'm going to go there real quick. Tuck your toes in. Usually, most people will get it, and those who have the grace and mercy gift, you, you're, you're going to cringe a little bit, just a forewarning, I, but I'm saying it in love. Here we are right now. And the Word of God says there's two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, right? It says the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these two. So one, we got to love God with everything in us. Two, we got to love our neighbor. And then one of the Pharisees tried to trip up Jesus. This is something interesting. When you read the red letters, when you read what Jesus is talking about, you see these people on the outskirts nitpicking everything he says and trying to catch him in something. So one of them, the smart aleck, said, well, who's my neighbor? Then we have the story of the Good Samaritan where there's an outsider. Samaritan is someone who wasn't in the Jewish culture. They were a half-breed, if you will. They were frowned upon because um, when Jesus, or excuse me, when God sent them into the land, he says, don't, don't go do all the other stuff that they're doing. Don't worship their gods. Don't do that stuff. And the Samaritans are some of the ones who did. But here's the hope. This man fell he got jumped, he got robbed, he was left for dead, and everybody was ignoring him. They had a, a, a priest come through, a pastor came through, a Levite who was an elder came through, uh, uh, another, another Jew. He hit every order of a position of a church. They all walked past him. Then a Samaritan from the other town over that they don't like is the one who came. He poured oil to heal his wounds. He put him on his own uh, uh, animal, brought him to a hotel, paid the bill, told him to call the medic. I'll pay that too. And when I come back through, if there's any more expenses, I'll pay that. So here this outsider, this foreigner, showed more love. So your neighbor is more than the person who is sitting across from you, more than the person who has the same color skin as you, more than this person that eats the same food that you eat, more than the person that you think you don't like because you think that there might be some pecking order or something or somebody's trying to hold you down. Where God's will is, there is a way, and man can't thwart it. There might be some haters out there because haters are going to hate. But that's not going to stop God. That, that might, they might trip you. You might stumble. It might delay things or get in the way, but it's not going to stop the will of God. We just got to be tenacious enough to keep on keeping on. Right? You going to let somebody stop you from your blessing? What? Yes, we love and accept. We accept and love. But here's the thing. The church is starting to fail in this area, I'm not saying our church, but you'll hear it said, uh, have you ever heard the saying, um, love the sinner but hate the sin? Oh, people hate that. There's all kinds of controversy about that. That's not found in the Bible. Those words, that passage may not be, but the principles are. You see, it's very similar as this. And, you know, you accept and love the person not the lifestyle or the behavior. And I like it as unto being a parent. A parent loves and accepts their child, but when your child gets out of line and does something inappropriate, you are going to correct it. Why? Because you want them to be a good person 
when they grow up. So if it starts in nursery and your child's biting another kid, that's not good. Hopefully, you at home and at the nursery or the daycare, somebody's correcting that activity. No, Sally. No, Rachel. We don't. No, Bobby. No, Roberto. No, Emmanuel. Whatever their name is, Jermaine, Shoshona. Shoshona was a girl who liked me when I was younger, back in the hood. She scared me, though. She's like, you're going to be my boyfriend. I'm like, okay. Shoshona, if you're watching this, I hope you're serving the Lord. I'm married now. You got to correct that. If you don't, the biting is going to turn to hitting and scratching. And if you don't correct it then, as they get older, it's going to be an assault charge, right? It's going to be an abusive relationship. It's got to be corrected at some point. If you don't, you're raising a brat that no one's going to like. That if you don't address it, then you leave it to the teachers to address it. And, and my, my wife's subbing in the schools right now, and there's not a whole lot of addressing stuff. And this is what's scary. These are the future voters. These are the future people. When you and I are in nursing homes, they're going to be the ones making the decisions. Lord Jesus, we need some help. We need some correction. But here's the thing. When you bring correction, oh, why you got to hate on me? I love you is why I'm trying to bring correction. Because if I didn't love you, I'd just be like, hey, whatever. I'm going to leave you on your own. Whatever happens, happens. But I know what happens. For the wages of sin is death. And I talked last week. If, you, if the world's on fire and they're running around burning in flames, you'd be like, well, I'm going to let them do their own business. I don't want to judge. And you got the fire extinguisher in your hand. If I squirt them with and put out that fire, they might think I, I'm judging them or I, I think that their flames are not good. Do you see the deception of the world? Just as a parent loves a child will bring correction. We love, accept, and forgive everyone who walks through these doors. It doesn't mean that I'm going to love and accept your lifestyle or behavior that goes contrary to the word of God. Does that make sense? Because we know there's some churches that say everyone accept it, and we know what they mean. Come with your lifestyle. We, we, it's okay. Where the word of God is very clear. Today's not that message. Believe you me, I will preach that message. You'll want to bring your friends. If you're wondering what the word of God says about that, we're going to address it head on. I'm not afraid of it because it's the word of God. Amen? And I do it in love. I'm not hating nobody because I love, accept, and forgive everyone who walks these doors doesn't mean I, I i love and accept their behavior if it goes contrary to the word of god are we clear on that okay so whoever comes in we can now these three are interesting reach up reach in and reach out reach up is our praise and our worship which you experience the glimpse of it today and the Word of God says in John 4, 23 through 24 yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers everybody say true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. I want to stop there right now. I'll finish. I'll come back to it. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So let's divide this up real quick. He is giving us instructions, and he's saying this is what he's looking for. 
It's kind of like when you go for a job, you see a job description. A job description is saying what they're looking for. If you don't have what they're looking for, you may not get the job. We're looking for someone who has a child development degree because we're dealing with children as a school, and you're a welder. Doesn't mean I'm hating on welding. It just means you probably won't do well with the kindergartners. God is saying here the type of worshipers that he's looking for. So here's the thing. Does it matter what your favorite songs are or the way you like to worship? Got that weird quiet again. Culturally, stylistically, music, volume, lights, all these things, they're good additives, but truly we got to look at the verse and we got to see what is it that he's looking for. True worshipers. That means there's false worshipers or worshipers who probably are ineffective. Because if there's a true one, there's a false one. There's, a, there's both sides of the coin, right? So there are people, and we read it, if you read the Bible cover to cover, he says, you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You're going through the motions, you're clapping your hands, you got the sway going, you got all the stuff, the beads thumping, and you're feeling good emotionally, but you, your spirit never got fed. You never created an atmosphere where the presence of God could settle in. Because he says he will come in and he inhabits the praises of his people. So praise, and I have worship listed as well because they're two different things. They're not the same. And I'm going to break that down for you here in just a second. But it says that he's looking for true worshipers, and that's the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. It means he's looking. His eyes are going to and fro. He's looking for those who can worship him in spirit and in truth. The truth is found in his word. The spirit is where your heart is. Because I can worship him and think about, oh, I'm hungry. I wonder what the Italian oven's got going on today. I love you, Lord. I want a Big Mac. Your mind can be somewhere else while your words are saying something. But a true worshiper, their mind is focused on the Lord. You got an image of the Lord. You're thinking about his, what he's done for you, what he's delivered you from, and your heart is going out as well. There's a connection. You're aligning yourself. That's a true worshiper. That takes some discipline because your mind is going to wander, but you got to bring it back in. Same with the meditation in your quiet time when you're going before the Lord. But here, we're going to teach you, and we, I've begun, I'm trying to teach and illustrate that this is what God is looking for. This isn't what Pastor Felix wants, or my style, or what I desire. What I want is the best for all of us, and that is to get in God's presence. In order to bring his presence down, we've got to be true worshipers. In order to be true worshipers, we've got to follow what the scripture says. To worship him in spirit and in truth. Can we do that here? That's authentic worship. Believe you, me, I like it, a little hype. When my family gets together and the music gets going, ha-ha. Culturally, I like it hype, but the hype doesn't bring the presence of God. We, sometimes we got to do that, to shake the dust off of the day, of the world, Right? Get, you know, okay, I got to get going. I don't really fit. That's why it's called, it's a sacrifice of 
Why is it a sacrifice? Because sometimes you don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Uh, the kids were naughty this morning. Uh, they spilled stuff in the car on the way here. My, my, my partner's not acting right. Uh, this has been a rough morning. Of course, Satan's trying to keep you from getting into God's presence because he knows that's where he's defeated. Amen? So that's called authentic worship. We will begin to, I, I don't want to harp on it, but there is a way of doing it. So let me break down the difference between, and I did it in some opening messages. If you want to go back and see those, I gave you the Greek and Hebrew word for praise and worship and what those mean. Praise, I, here's an illustration. If in, in town we have something called Soaring Eagle, right? Great name. One time I was at a football game. Uh, at the practice, excuse me, and I'm looking up, and there was these eagles just soaring, just like, shh. and they're going it, for a couple hours, and I never saw them flap their wings. They were just floating, and I think it's called thermals that are up there, the airs, and they just float effortlessly. That's our worship, but you can't get there just showing up. The praise is you flapping your wings, you putting in the work, you doing it. It says he doesn't say he inhabits the worship of his people. This is where you want to take some notes. He inhabits the praises of his people. The praises is what gets his attention and calls him down. The praises is the work that we got to put in. Yes, you don't feel like it. Yeah, you don't want to, but you do it anyway. You raise your hands and surrender. But don't tell me what I got to do with my hands. I'm, hey, listen, you want the presence of God in your life? Raise your hands and surrender. I don't feel like it. Everyone's going to look at me. Nobody's looking at you because they're worried about their own self. Right? That's Satan lying to you. Say, shut up, devil. Raise your hand anyway. That's the flesh. I don't feel like it. My back hurts. My knee hurts. Yes, I'm sure it does. Right? But if Miss Charlene can do it, you can do it. Get it, sister. That's where the work comes in. I, and I hate calling it work, but it kind of is. You're flapping those wings. You're trying to get to that level. And as you're praising, you're bragging on God, who he is, what he's done, his characteristics. His names are usually his characteristics. For example, uh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Nisi, my banner, my covering. Who needs a covering in their life? Huh? Jehovah Roi, my, sh my, my shepherd. Jehovah Nisi. You got Jehovah uh, uh, Sitkanu, my righteousness. It's not your righteousness, but God, the Spirit, through you. He's my provider, my protector. He's my healer, my way maker, my chain breaker. He, you, know, you go on and on and on. You keep going. You keep bragging. You are the God who hung the moon where it was and the stars where it was. You are the God who carved out the oceans just at the sound of your voice. You're the one who said to the waves, you can only go this far. You are the God who split the Red Seas. You keep bragging. You keep praising. Amen? So as you do that, it's only a short while. And I, I challenge you, when you go home and you have a moment, just start praising. Just start bragging. Think of every miracle that he's done in the Word, and it's only going to be a short period of time where his presence starts to settle in. You just start to feel the Holy Ghost. You just, something's going on. You feel it. And when his presence comes, he's, there he is. And in, in the Asian culture, they don't have uh, the right terminology for it. And what they say is, his presence is a big chair. And that's a good illustration. He comes and sits in his big chair in front of you, 
And now, once you felt his presence settle in around you, now you switch from praise into worship. Because he's here, he's present. This is where you kneel, where you worship, you pay homage. The, the atmosphere changes. What you did to get to the altitude isn't what you do when you float there. The eagle stops flapping and hovers. Now we got to learn to steward, manage his presence. I want it there as long as I possibly can. Interesting thing. Someone likened the Holy Spirit as, as, a, as a dove, correct? We see it in the Word of God. The Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. If you've ever seen someone with a bird on their shoulder, especially a gentle bird like a dove, they move slowly. They don't, no sudden movements. You do a sudden movement, the bird's going to flutter away. This is what I found when trying to learn how to steward the presence of God. He's very much like a dove. You move too fast. You get too crazy, too loud. The presence just kind of lifts. Because that's the time of worship. What does it say that the, the angels do in heaven and the elders do? It says they throw their crowns before him, meaning my title, my office, none of that matters anymore. They're enthroned on 24 thrones around God. They take their crowns, which they've earned and they deserve, and they're given by God. They have thrones that they're given by God, and they say, my position and my title no longer matter. I'm going to kneel down before you. I throw that. All this is for naught. You are the king. You are the Lord. You are the Savior. You are the God of the universe. And the, and the, the seraphim, the heavenly creatures, are saying, holy, holy, holy. They don't even look upon the Lord. They, they cover their eyes. They cover their feet. That is praise and worship. So here we will reach up and we will praise and worship God in the manner in which he's looking for. It says he's looking for it. Second one, reach in, discipleships. Uh, Matthew 28, 19 says, Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're going to break this down here in a minute, but there is a sign-up sheet in the back. If you're looking to be baptized, we want to know about it. We're putting it in the schedule. Please sign up on that sheet. Uh, there is a small teaching I'm going to explain and teach on that about the baptism, what it means, what it represents, and then we're going to have a time. We're going to do a baptism up here. It's going to be great. I'm excited about that because that's one of the things that we're mandated to do. Get saved, get baptized, get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Praise God. So he says, go, therefore, and disciple all nations. And here's the interesting thing. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. If you're not teaching them to obey, then you're not doing the Great Commission. If I just teach, and they're cutting out a line, and I don't correct and teach them to obey, then I'm not the teacher. Think about your children. This is a great analogy. Your kids are cutting out of line. There's got to be some repercussions. And in my house, it was a sandal or a shoe that I got on my back end. You might count to five and tell Johnny to go to the corner seven times or whatever, but there needs to be some sort of corrective action or measure that is going to teach them to obey. Right? Is it any different 
this is what I love, because it's not just me. One of the qualifications of elders is to be a teacher. That means you've got to, one, know the word, and you've got to bring correction. You've got to instruct, and, and it, like, just think about this. If you're a batting coach, and they're not keeping their elbow right, or they're not doing something right, you, you've taught them how to do it, now you've got to help them, you've got to tweak it. Or a vocal coach. They're telling you to do your runs and do your lines, and they're doing something not right. He taught you, but now he's got to correct you. Be like, okay, it sounds good, but you've got to come over here on that one. And regardless, whatever it is that you do, whoever's teaching you also has to correct. Does that make sense? You've got to do it as a parent. We have got to do it as a church as well. Doesn't mean that we hate people. Doesn't mean that we're being tough on them. We're not being, we're being Ill, into intolerant. No, we want the rest of them. Because if, if I didn't care, all right, go do whatever you're going to do. You're doing it wrong. You're, you're saying it wrong. Your theology's wrong. Your doctrine's wrong. And then now you're leading people astray. You're not getting the answers to your prayers. It's affecting your life. And then you can frustrate it, potentially backslide. Now where are you at? Where's your joy? Where's your joy? Where's your praise at now? There's a method to the madness. There's things that we've got to do. We have here something for every age. We've got the nursery. We have children's church. Uh, we have Sunday morning. You know, we're getting a, a good lesson. A good, we had good praise and worship. We're getting a good lesson. Uh, the preaching, teaching. Um, on Monday nights, we have young adults that come. They're um, getting fed. There are great conversations there. Wednesday nights, we have Bible study as well. I think some of you must have missed the message. But we, it, it's Wednesday nights at 7. It's great. Great conversations are happening. And that is me trying to do what this says. What is this telling me that I should be doing? Teaching them. That's how you disciple someone. But here's the interesting thing. If you call yourself a disciple, when are you getting your instruction? Where are you getting it from? YouTube? <laughs> this mess with you guys. You guys are staring me down, trying to punk me out. That's all right. I ain't going nowhere. I know my call. Who's teaching you? Where are you getting your instruction? If you're not getting instruction, then you're not a disciple. If you're not a disciple, you don't have the power and authority that he says he gives to his disciples. That's why there's no victory. <laughs> you want victory? Become a disciple. Learn what he's teaching you. Walk in that power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Amen? I'm not hating. You guys are staring me down. What's up? Smile at me. Dev, you got my back? Okay. We have ownership classes, gift classes to help understand your spiritual gifts, how it affects you and how it affects other people. And this helps you. And I'm learning more to bring people with grace gifts around me because I have a prophetic and teaching gift, which is kind of black and white, white and kind of firm. And one of the, the potential setbacks of my gift is it comes across like I don't care about people because I'm firm. I'm assertive. But the opposite's true. If I didn't care, I wouldn't even be up here. I'd be out doing a career that's going to pay a lot more and give me benefits, 401k, and when I say benefits, I know I got, I'm storing up treasures in heaven. I don't need somebody trying to call me out later. I get it. 
God's taking care of me. I lack for nothing. I want for some stuff, but I lack for nothing. We have those classes here. There's something for every age group. It's just, are you partaking of it or not? Reach out. Evangelism. Now this is a great thing. I'm looking for the person with this gift. And they're easy to spot because that's all they want to do. They don't want to teach. They don't want to disciple. They don't want to preach. They just want to go. They are the true fisher of men. When are we going to go out? When are we going to go talk to them? When are we going to do? They're always talking to somebody about Jesus. They're always trying to lead somebody in the Lord's prayer. This person is awesome. And Mark 16:5 says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's the fisher of men. Now here's the interesting thing that a lot of churches mess up on, and this is where I don't want us to do. Meeting the needs of the people is not preaching the gospel. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. But if our church only did a soup kitchen and that's all we did and we didn't talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he did, and that he's coming again, then we're not doing it. Just because you're giving away some food or some clothes don't mean that you're preaching the gospel. You're just meeting a need. There's secular groups out there that are doing a way better job than a lot of churches. They're giving away a lot of stuff. Doing that doesn't, the, the job's not done. So, yes, we want to meet those needs. We want to help with people who need food or gas. We want to help as much as we can with the physical need, right? We got to help. That's part of it. But it doesn't end there. We've got to, at some point, preach the gospel. It says, go into all the world and give them clothes. Is that what it says? Go into all the world and give them food. Go into all the world and pay their eviction notice. Pay their light bill. Those are all good things. But it says, go into all the world and preach. How much preaching are we doing? Well, I'll say how, you, how much you're doing. I know how much I'm doing. Right? We have got to learn to be the voice that God's called us to be. Amen? And, and, and here's the thing. He's ready for you. He's waiting for you. He will give you the words to say. We just got to step out of our comfort zone and get uncomfortable. Peter left his ship, his fishing business. Andrew and John... They left the fishing business, and they went, and they did this. So, we have to get ready to have a ready answer. Here's the thing. I'm not telling you to memorize a sermon. I'm not telling you to uh, learn Greek or Hebrew or study the Strong's Concordance. I'm not saying that. At the very least, have an answer for why you believe what you believe. Have a testimony. What has Jesus done for you? Because this is how we destroy the works of the enemy. By the blood of the Lamb that was shed on Calvary and by the word of our testimony. Your testimony is going to help someone get a breakthrough. The thing that Christ did for you, he's going to do for them. We just got to share it. That testimony is not yours anymore. Once, once God gave that for you or did that for you, now it's intended for you to share that with others. When you share it with others, now they get hope. If God did for them, maybe there's a chance he'll do it for me too. And I really need it. So we discover that they got hope. And, and then it's also a prayer request too. 
So sometimes when we get together on Wednesday nights or Monday nights, I'll open with testimonies and then prayer requests because they usually go hand in hand. You guys, is this all right? This is the vision. I'm trying to make it plain. I'm trying to explain it because I don't want to say accept, love, and forgive. I'm like, okay, we got a pedophile. We're going to accept and love him. Bring him on in. Yeah, we're going to accept and love him, but we're going to pray for deliverance and other things. Right? But God loved them too. Ooh, that's hard for me to say. Right? We're going to worship, reach up. We're going to, we're going to disciple, reach in. So here we are. One last time, we're going to put it up there, our vision. Our vision for this house. Repeat after me. We will accept, love, and forgive everyone who walks through our doors. We will reach up, reach in, and reach out. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I love you. I love you dearly. I have this notion to, uh, I, I want to, I know my gifting is different from what you've had before, but it's what you need for this season. I know I might come off differently. It's not what you're used to. It may not even be what you like, but it's what you need. It's who God sent. I didn't choose this. This wasn't, this, in the physical world, this wasn't a lateral move. It wasn't an advancement. I'll just leave it at that. But it was God's will. And at this stage of my life, that's what I want more than anything, is God's good and perfect will in my life and in yours. And when we grasp the depths of this reality, when we realize what it is that he's trying to do in and through us, this church has existed here, and planted here, and grown here for a reason. God's not done with us yet, but we've got to play our part. We've got to do our part. And it's not Pastor Felix and his family do it. It's all of us do it together like, like what we did at the trunk or tree. That was a start. That was awesome awesome people are like oh i got my own candy pastor don't worry about it they're like okay i ran out there's a lot of people coming through that's just one small example and in that we had messages of who jesus was we had tracks and flyers and bible verses and yeah they got candy too we have something valuable here to offer not only this community but the world and beyond when we can all start to link arms and walk together in this process and develop spiritual maturity, and when the power of God begins to rumble in this place, like I, I think he's going to, the miracles that will happen, the testimonies that will come out, ooh, I get excited. Who's excited with me? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise you, Jesus. Mm -hmm.